The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. Welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. I'm your host, JP John Paz. With me today is a very special guest, former NWA World Tag Team Champion, a 16-time USWA Tag Team Champion, USWA World Champion, two-time OVW Tag Team Champion. He's returning to the show, Mr. Wolfie D. Wolfie, welcome to the power trip. You left a couple out there. I'm just <laughs> oh, man, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me again. What's going on in your world? What have you been up to? Man, uh, really, just kind of been working on, uh, I don't know if you know, I have a podcast, and I, I, I will plug it if you don't mind. Uh, it's called Live and in Color with Wolfie D. My co-host is Jimmy Street. Uh, we have guests, and then we also do watch-alongs. We do Ask Wolfie This or Ask Wolfie to Watch This. And we, we do all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, it's, it's done pretty well on the rankings and everything. Uh, got a few good sponsors, and so... Yeah, man, kind of been doing that, really just hanging out. I've got a lot of, um, I've got a tear in my hip uh, that needs to be fixed. Uh, I've got, uh, you know, I just had knee surgery two years ago. I, I ripped my quad off my kneecap. So that whole leg's bothered me. My lower back, I'm having to get injections now because my lower back L5S1 is almost bone on bone. So before they go you know, fuse it together. They're trying these shots. And so far it seems to have worked pretty well. Uh, so I'm happy with that, but yeah, man, just doing, doing conventions here and there. Uh, and, and again, uh, if you don't mind, we'll talk about an upcoming show that I have, uh, me, I hadn't wrestled since 2016. I tore my tricep off the bone had to have that one fixed. So, uh, it's been about a let's see a month or so ago something like that maybe two months but uh that was i had my first match in that many years um with me and jerry lawler wrestled doug gilbert and one of the moon dogs uh which was you know i'm limited out there now but i you know my, my name i guess still has a little value to it so i didn't have to do a whole lot you know especially with those guys with me uh, so anyway, uh, this upcoming show, this coming Saturday, May the 7th, Portland, Tennessee, 
we are going to be at the Strawberry Slam. PG-13's getting back together for the first time. And, man, I can't remember the last time me and Jamie worked. But it's been a long, long time. We're talking years and years. Because, uh, you know, I had my slash run and everything since the PG-13 days. So it's been a long time. Uh, uh, Portland, Tennessee at the high school. It, it benefits the quarterback club. Uh, but Portland, Tennessee, I used to live there. And uh, what every year they have the strawberry festival because uh, that's what Portland's known for is their strawberries this time of year. So this is called the Strawberry Slam. They do it once a year, and again, that'll be this Saturday, May the seventh. Man, you and Jamie getting back together? How's he doing? Oh, man, it's a funny story because uh, I, I really don't know how Jamie's doing. Um, we even before we had a little heat, and we currently have a little heat. Um, he, he no-showed a convention uh, up in New York back in November, and I had just talked to him a couple of days before, so I took it personal, man, that he, he lied to me, basically, because he knew he wasn't coming when he was talking to me. Uh, and, and then I went on a, a Monty and the Pharaoh that weekend, you know, and he was supposed to be on there with me and, and all that kind of stuff, and I was hot, man. So I thought, I buried him, bro. I buried him on there. Then they had him on, and he went, like below the belt and so then they gave me a show on there and i started blasting him i made a little puppet of him and i was doing these little skits with it it's hilarious if you haven't seen it look it up uh, wednesdays with wolfie on monty and the pharaoh youtube channel i don't know if it's still up because i'm not working for them anymore but uh if you can find it it's funny stuff so anyway we haven't spoken since then um uh, so yeah, we'll get out there and do business, but who who knows what it's going to be like at the gimmick table trying to figure out how we're going to split the money or whatever. <laughs> Why didn't he show up to New York? What happened? Because he didn't want to. Basically, that's what he said when they had him on. He's like, I just, I hate the wrestling business. And they were like, well, why'd you take the book in there? I don't know, man. And then he started on with this whole, there's a lot of excuses and bullshit and just Jamie being Jamie. And, and quite frankly, that's why he didn't come, because he just didn't feel like it. Uh, he's selfish is, is the way I think of it. He's always been that way. And I, I won't say to his face, but, you know, um, he swears up and down. And I, like I said, I haven't talked to him. Uh, Jason running it, I told him, I said, man, this is what happened. No, Jamie's good. He's good. And, and he's actually, from what I understand now, uh, he's been uh, training and working out real hard and posted on Facebook. I haven't seen that because we're not even Facebook friends anymore. <laughs> you know it's heavy when you, when you get deleted. <laughs> so anyway, man, yeah, so he's supposed to be there. I think he will because he's been, uh, from what I understand, he's been plugging it and stuff like that. Surely he won't make that big of an ass of himself. But they say the pre-sales on this thing are uh, more than they've ever had on this particular uh, Strawberry Slam once a year event. Back to the podcast, though. How did that all come about? How did you start doing the podcast? Okay, so live and in color, Wolfie D. Um, Jimmy Street, who um, is a we we both lived in Nashville at this time, or back when I first met Jimmy. Uh, he doesn't live there anymore, and neither do I. But um, that's where we met was on the, the some of the wrestling stuff around Nashville. He was a manager, um, and and not that we were even really friends or anything. But anyway, um, I don't know. I've done fifty something episodes once a week, so we're almost at a year now. So about a year ago, uh, he calls me up and uh, he says, hey, man, I got this idea, man, you know, and he was all kind of 
I know you don't know if you remember me, but yeah, man, I remember you, man. And uh, he's like, man, I really want to do this podcast. And I was like, you know, I'd never, I've never listened to a podcast or really looked into it or anything like that until I started doing this with him. But the magnificent part is I really don't have to do anything. I just have to talk. Jimmy has gotten uh, like our sponsors, our big sponsors, Manscaped. And then like we got some local ones too that both of us have gathered, but we finally got a, a legit one. You know what I'm saying? He does that stuff. He does all the emailing back and forth that got us on Apple, that got us on the Facebook podcast, every platform we're on. Um, anywhere you can listen to him, we're on it. So, you know, he does all that kind of legwork and deals with, unless I tell him, hey, I got, I get the guests obviously, but I'll be like, hey, I got so-and-so that's committed to do this date. And, and then if we need filler, Jimmy comes up with some ideas uh, for stuff like that. Like he'll have a mail in and ask me questions. Ask Wolfie is one of our episodes and one is ask Wolfie to watch and they'll have me watch a match. Uh, the point of that that hasn't happened yet is I'm trying to get some, younger guys to send me in some shit and let me critique it and not bury them. I think that's what, that's why none of those are happening. I think they're scared that I'm going to get on there and bury them or something, but that's not the point of doing it. But uh, yeah, so Jimmy just contacted me, man, and he's done all the legwork and started going with it. And, you know, it uh, it's done better than I really anticipated it doing. You know, we stay, we stay, I think, in the top 60, usually in the top 200 of wrestling podcasts. And, you know, how many thousands of those there are so yeah that's true but do you like doing it though like as far as like getting into it like you said you didn't really listen to it but do you actually like doing the podcast um i've grown to like doing it the way we started the first episode was me it started out with man i just want you to tell your story man and so we didn't have no guests for the first quite a, a little bit, but then I had the idea of, hey, why don't I get, while I'm talking about my TNA run, why don't I get Jim Mitchell to come on? Okay, yeah. It, it's kind of evolved, you know, because like I said, at first it was going to be, he just wanted me to tell my story. And he, and he was like, okay, so this episode, I want you to cover your beginnings before you ever got your break in USWA. Then let's talk about the break in USWA for this episode. Then let's do 96, 97, where y'all did the Smoky Mountain. You know what I mean? We broke it up into sections to make it. And I could talk that long about a lot of it. So Yeah, oh yeah. It's, you know, that's just, that's, yeah, that's kind of how, how it went down, man. And and I do enjoy it. And, you know, it's fun now. I mean, it sometimes we, we try to, a lot of times like, do three or four in a week so then we don't have to do it again for a month you know but the only downgrade to that is I, like i texted him the other day and i saw something because i pay more attention now to the current product than i did because of that now it, it, he likes to do this thing called current affairs where he asks me questions of current stuff knowing that i probably haven't watched it but i might have heard of it on facebook so i pay attention to stuff like that and he'll ask my opinion um but it, it's it's definitely got me, um, you know, paying. I actually watched WrestleMania every bit of it uh, this year, simply because of that. Really, just to because I knew we should talk about it. You know, do you like the guests that you've been having on? Like, do you like having more and more guests? Because it seems like you got a bunch coming up. Man, that's that's the funnest part to me, man. Is because most of them. Um, I'm trying to think if there's been anybody, Steve Kern. I had never met in my life until uh, in November at those conventions. 
what a nice guy. And then I had him on and man, me and him, even after the podcast talked on the phone for three hours when we never really met each other, but he was a Memphis guy, you know, the fabulous ones. And then my big run PG 13. So we did have a lot in common. Also, he was like, you know, the fabulous ones were next to the road warriors. The fabulous ones were my shit. They were the local shit. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Big time. And, um, so we that yeah i love the guests man i love how and, and especially when it's people that i really know and we can talk about funny times or hey remember this and da, 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 da. so that that's fine when you have guys on is it just like guys you know like or guys you like having guys you don't know like Kern, for instance or like guys like me and e or guys you do know yeah um so far man the, i'm trying to think the, there's been nobody that i don't know the the I mean, there's been a couple. Okay, so for instance, I had Kevin Sullivan. I didn't hook that one up. One of my partners did. Uh, we we part, we partnered with Captain's Corner. I don't know if you heard of that. He does uh, the uh, what do you call that? The live signings on the internet. I forget what you call that. Uh, anyway, uh, he got me Kevin. Well, I had actually the only time I had been around Kevin was w, WCW, and I can't say that we ever talked. Uh, you know at all outside the reading other than maybe hello uh and then i worked me and jamie worked him and rotundo or no worked him and scott, or it was scott stein and rotundo with with kevin in the corner and then at the end kevin got in but he remembered us you know so i talked to him beforehand and he's like yeah man i remember so uh i didn't actually know kevin so i had to other than what i'd seen as a kid i had to do a little research on him which that was something i'd have never done before um and, and, and found out some things that was cool. For instance, you know, he was, he, I don't know if you know, he was never even smartened up on his first match. He went to the ring without being smartened up. I thought that was amazing. <laughs> so. Oh, I know Kevin very well. I actually do a show with Kevin. So I know uh, oh. him very, very well, but oh man, uh, he he's hilarious, especially once, once you get him going. Yeah. But as, as far as you though, like actually like away from podcasting back in, into actual wrestling, when did PG thirteen start, and like when did you start? Like, was was PG thirteen very early on in the oh, career? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I started training December of nineteen eighty nine. I was fifteen, turning sixteen. Um, I was in the ring that next year, you know, uh, nineteen ninety. Uh, so let's see here. I guess about. 91 i first i called myself airwolf i was a little skinny kid that could jump <laughs> and uh airwolf was a show and i had a mask on and blah, blah, blah. my last name's wolf uh so <clears throat> about 91 92 i start hanging out with chris champion and uh we do he you know he helps me to get more bookings and things like that around the area i lived in nashville uh i did the first show i ever did with Jamie was probably around that same time, but we were wrestling against each other. And I didn't, I didn't like Jamie when I used to go to the fairgrounds and he'd be there with his dad, you know, as I'm a fan and he's back there running around being the same person he is right now, but it like, you know, 12 years old or something. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was just a little smart ass kid, but he's right about my age, you know? So at any rate, uh, meet him, you know, and we have great matches together on these uh, little uh, outlaw shows. Chris and me and Jamie all started hanging out pretty much, uh, doing a lot of talents together. And so 
I came up with this Wolfie D thing, the shorts, they weren't painted, but they were black. They were saggy. I had tennis shoes, um, shaved the sides of my head. Um, didn't have a hubcap and call myself, sir, Wolfie D actually. And Chris goes, man. And cause you know, Jamie had been JC ice baby with his daddy. And he said, man, you guys ought to do this as a tag team. Like, okay. And so Jamie puts on shorts, same look, um, still the shorts aren't painted yet. They're just baggy. And I come up with the name. Um, I got it from, if you remember, I don't know if you were an NWA fan, the, the rap group, uh, parental discretion is advised for the moment. So that made me just come up with this name of PG 13. And I thought it was unique too, because it was just two, two numbers, two letters, um, instead of like the hip hop express or, you know, something that would be obvious to a lot of people and they'd come up with something like that. But anyway, um, we get together, I come up with this name. Uh, the hubcap comes into play when we need a finish. Okay. So at first we carried, it was just a record album. I think it was, it was, it was my LP. It was a, uh, Peter Chris's first solo album is what it was, but you couldn't, it was a, a, a drawing of people running from a jukebox or something like that. So you really couldn't tell what it was if you didn't know. And, uh, so we said that what this was, was a, our, our gold record. You know, we were this rap group and this is our gold record. Our gold record is in here. That's why you can't see that we have a gold record. So bam, we hit them with the gold record. And I don't think everybody liked that as far as like Chris, it was a booker. I don't think everybody liked it. And that's the reason he wanted something else for the finish. He didn't want to, one night he didn't want us to use that. He wanted to use something else for the finish. Well, the place that we were wrestling, the dressing room is is like a junkyard, man. Uh, it ran for many years. Good little outlaw show. You could pack them in. They they get with everything every Thursday night. Shelbyville, Tennessee. Uh, 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 so he says he needs a different finish. Well, we look in that round and we find a hubcap. And what immediately came to my mind was Flavor Flav and the uh, clock. Yep. We put a rope around it, and yes, there was so much junk in there. It's almost it's just a junky, like almost like a flea market room or something. <laughs> there was a can of spray paint, so we spray painted PG thirteen on it, and we used it for the finish. And then that was how that got going. That never stopped. We kept that forever. Uh, it was unique. Uh, well, do you want me to go into? I guess the next progression would be getting into USWA with that gimmick because of that gimmick and our work, but. Yeah, definitely. But it, it seems like your relationship is full circle with him. Like you didn't oh. like him at first. You're not really getting along with him now. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so how'd you get into USWA? All right. So we're uh, in Beaver Dam, Kentucky, and Jeff Jarrett is the, you know, the name on that card that night. Jamie obviously had history with Jeff. I didn't know Jeff. Um, I mean, obviously knew who Jeff was, but I did not know Jeff. Um so Jamie had one of those big VCR uh, camcorders, right? And we were wrestling Brickhouse Brown and I think Pez Watley. And so Jamie says to Jeff, he says, hey, man, hold this and film this match for me and take it to your old man. 
Now, knowing Jeff is how I know Jeff now, the fact that Jeff Jarrett stood at the fucking dressing room door and filmed this entire match for us is amazing to me. Just knowing Jeff, that's just funny. It's very funny to me at this point in my life. <laughs> um, so he films it, right? Takes it to his old man. Uh, I think, I can't remember, Jerry, Jerry called Jamie or vice versa, whatever. So they, he gets in touch with us pretty quickly after seeing the match. And he, he said, uh, you know, come on up to the Hendersonville where he lived at the mansion, which was the USWA office back then. And, uh, you know, bring your shit. So we have a date and a time to go up there. It's, you know, it's probably, I think, somewhere around noon, something like that. So we pull up to the mansion, go up the big driveway, pull around to where the office is. We call him. No, how did we wouldn't have called him? Because we didn't have a cell phone. I don't know how that happened. We, for some, some kind of way, he put us, we got there and I can't remember. I don't remember how that transaction went down. If we knocked and Jamie got sent back out. At any rate, he blows us off because he's sick. Somebody tells he's a sick something. We pulled up, but like I said, we wouldn't have called him. So I'm not sure how the memo got there that, hey, he's canceling for today. So we're like, fuck. So we leave. We have another date planned. Well, he's still sick, but he's going to see us is, is, the, is the word or whatever. So we get there, knock on the door. He comes to the door, big red nose. You can tell he's sick. And uh, Jamie, before we went in, had said to me, he said, Wolfie, if we make him laugh, we got a job. I said, okay, <laughs> all right. And so go in and he says, well, let me, let me uh, hear about, or let me see this gimmick that I've been hearing about. And so we go in this other room next to where his office was right there, change clothes, hubcap around the neck, baseball caps crooked, sunglasses on, everything. And we walk out there and he looks at us. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so that was the, if we make him laugh, we got a job. So, he decides that what he wants to do is, uh, and he, he, I can't remember who need, I think that was us just coming up with the idea before our first TV to paint up our shorts and stuff before our first, cause we filmed, he told us to write, I wrote the raps, right? He told uh, us to write a rap and told us kind of some points to hit and we put it to hip hop array. We went up to his mansion again and filmed it, you know, like we were doing a rap video and all that mess. And they played, we did two different raps, a total of four weeks, two for each one. Uh, and then we debuted uh, and got a win as some little scrawny heels, just undercard guys. That's basically what we were. But uh, Jerry loved the gimmick and he, he was high as hell on us. And, you know, we were on TV a lot and then, um, you know, that's that's how it got going. Did you guys want it to be like almost like a make fun of hip hop, or are you basically like you love hip hop and that's why you want to do the game work, or was it more jokey? Um, at first, it was more of a uh, Malibu's most wanted. It was more of a joke, it, but not necessarily to make fun of the hip hop, more to make fun of uh, making fun of ourselves because honestly. In, in, in those days, in the late 80s, that was me. 
You know, I was that little white dude that, I mean, I played a lot of basketball. Uh, I had more black friends than I had white friends. You know, that's just, that was me. <laughs> I liked rap. I could write raps. And, you know, for a wrestler, I wasn't a half bad rapper. <laughs> did you think it was going to get over or do you think you're going to get a tremendous amount of heat for it? Nah, not in those days, man. But, I mean, now days I could see stuff like that getting heat because everything's offensive. But no, I didn't think it was going to get heat back then. No. Uh, I mean, I, I've said this a few times on my show uh, with different guests talking about the times and stuff. If you, you know, just skip ahead to Nation of Domination, me and Jamie come out with an all black militant group, two white boys rapping throwing the black power sign. I mean, I believe if that gimmick were to happen today, this people would uh, shit their pants, man. People would lose their freaking mind. You talk about heads blowing up. <laughs> they would melt down, uh, you know, just completely if oh. you guys did that today. Yeah, no way. No way, man. Did you think, though, like at that point, like this is a good like heel gimmick, though? Because it, it seems like... You, know, you obviously got the hubcaps. You could cheat. I mean, was it a good heel gimmick per se? That's what I wanted it to be the entire time. But I mean, a lot of dudes, I'm not going to say everybody, but a lot of characters get over his heels first. And then they're just, it's just so different. And so uh, over in a heel sort of, excuse me, heel sort of way that they have to switch your baby face. And, um, you know, that just happens a lot for whatever reason. That's how society is. They like the bad guy. Uh, you know, back in the day, you know, early days, let's talk to 60s, 70s, you know, a heel was a heel. And that was that was that. But now people like the heel. And even then they kind of like the heel. But um, moving on, from, I just we were we started out that way. And then. We got let go because we kept missing towns because legitimately it was only, I, I said we missed towns. We only missed a couple towns and it was not big ones. And it was legitimate reasoning was we we drove a 76 Thunderbird and the summits we were putting those retread tires on it and we'd have blowouts all the time. And we'd, have to, we'd be late. We were late a lot. We didn't, we didn't miss a lot, but we were late due to that. And it was legitimate. It wasn't us acting stupid or anything. So Jerry had fired us at one point. We went to Mexico. We came back. We went to Puerto Rico. We came back. And that's when uh, we really got the baby face push. And then that's when the gimmick started, you know, and we knew enough. We, we couldn't be, and we were growing up too. You got to remember there was years going by there, not too many, but uh, uh, the way I looked at 19 when I started, as opposed to the 25 year old me that was working the rock and roll express was, was a lot different. Okay. And, and body composure and, just facial and you know a 19 year old to a 25 year old is a pretty significant uh change when you age in, in that period but we knew enough man that when it was time and we were booked well enough by randy hales and we were coached well enough by the the people that worked us like tommy rich and doug gilbert uh the rock and roll express tracy smothers you know all these guys man that uh nightmare danny davis um we were coached the right way. You know, we had veterans that could tell us don't do that <laughs> or do this. And uh, we had to be more 
And in Memphis, you got to be scrappy. You got to be able to throw a good looking punch. That's one thing about Memphis. You can't throw a punch. You ain't getting over. Uh, and, and it's about the fight there. The Memphis crowd and the, the Tennessee territory, you know, likes that fight, man. They, yeah, they want to see good wrestling too. Uh, but, you know, then it was, you know, the main events were usually fights, you know. So we knew enough to, to switch it, switch gears and be a more hard edged redneck white boys that the that the fans could relate to and they really could man i'm in louisville kentucky man them kids related to us so much you 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 go to louisville and even now man i, I laugh because uh, anytime i've been there it's like i, I look at all these little pg-13s walking around <laughs> so they could relate to us man and even even in memphis where the, you're predominantly uh, a black uh audience man loved us loved us man we could go places in memphis that not many white people could go you know so what is it about just that territory you know you do uswa memphis that they just i don't know they're so passionate they used to always talk about the tv ratings were so high and you know, yeah. what is it they're such a such a good wrestling town yeah man it, i guess there's just so much history with um i mean you got your live show yeah and it had went on for so long and you got people like Lawler that lived there and you had, you know, Sputnik Monroe, the whole thing with him and the black community. And, and so wrestling was not just something on TV. It was rooted into the community by more than one wrestler. You know what I'm saying? It was like a, a tradition uh, to get up on Saturday mornings and watch Memphis wrestling. And the other towns, um, you know, Nashville, Louisville, it, it was there too, but there was a different feel of why in Memphis. You know what I'm saying? Um, I don't know how to put that into words too well, but uh, that's, it's just, it was deeply rooted. That's, that's what I give it the credit to. Today's episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. Our partner has a product I literally use every day. I started using AG1 because I really didn't have the time to work out. I wanted better gut health. I wanted more energy. I want to optimize my immune system. I hate taking pills. I hate taking vitamins. But I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. I wanted to see what all the hype was about. So I looked into Athletic Greens, and they are a lifestyle-friendly brand. It, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, they contain one less gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything, while still tasting good. They support better sleep quality and better recovery. They support mental clarity and alertness. Tons of people take some kind of multivitamin, and it's important to choose one with high-quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. AG1 is a small a micro habit with big benefits. AG1 is one thing you can do every single day to take care of yourself. It costs you less than $3 a day. Think about it. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself, and you're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. For each purchase, we will donate organizations helping to get nutritious food to kids in need, including No Kid Hungry here in the U.S., in 2020, AG donated over 1.2 million meals to kids. 
right now to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you one year free. That is right, folks. One free year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash emerging. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash emerging to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. You and Jamie, how do you guys maintain such good chemistry in the ring, but sometimes maybe not get along so good outside the ring? Man, I, I don't know, dude. I don't know. It's one of those things, uh, and me and him have talked about it. Other people have said it about us. Uh, I mean, there's just those teams that I've had, a, you know, I've been a tag team wrestler most of my career. The only person that came close to the chemistry um, that Jamie and I had was Brian Lee and with the new church. That was good. But me and Jamie just had that thing, and it's just it's it's an X factor. You can't put a put a, a name on it or anything like that. You know, we were both uh, always trying to come up with something. Um, you know, just we were we were both thinking, and then we after we do stuff, we were just always on the same page, and our both of us had great timing, and. It, we were always in the right place at the right time for each other, for whatever had to happen and, and make it look as if it wasn't supposed to happen. You know, um, I, that's just an X factor, man. I mean, I've been partners with, with people that are hell better than me, but as far as maybe, you know, what I'm saying, as far as a singles wrestler or something like that, but as a team, you just might not click, you know, same thing with a, uh, with a singles match. Uh, some guys, can you know two good wrestlers two superb wrestlers can have probably what in their minds is just an okay match that it didn't click maybe in the people's eyes it was tremendous but like i i worked with i had the pleasure and honor of working with uh brad armstrong a few times i, th I think everybody uh, i know we'll just say in the back the boys uh, kind of anticipated the match a little bit um and it was good but it, man, I had so much more expectations for it. But it, you know, maybe had we worked together more and more, obviously things would have got better. And it, like I said, it wasn't bad by any stretch of the imagination. There was no botches or any bullshit like that. It's just it could have been. It's it, I wanted more. I wanted more. You know, you and Jamie are almost like Doctor Tom and Jimmy Del Rey in the ring. They look like they're like best friends, or you know, they're they're awesome. And then you know, you talk to Doctor Tom, another buddy of mine. He says him and Jimmy Del Rey did not get along at all, like outside the ring. But it's weird. They had the, all the tag team moves and the maneuvers and the yeah. chemistry. But away from the ring, not so much. Look at Marty and Sean. Marty and Sean used to fight. On, yeah. There's plenty more examples. I can't think of off the top of my head, but there's plenty more examples of the ones that uh, didn't get along. And, you know, that could be uh, the artist per se in us, you know, with the clashes of – maybe ego a little bit of ego and maybe a little bit of uh, creativeness of my creative is better than your creative or, 
you know, that type of thing. I, we're both so creative that I want to be the most creative <laughs> or something like that, where you, you kind of feel that in the air possibly. But I mean, we were boys, man. We, we fought sometimes, but we all, we had each other's back too. You know, I wouldn't let nobody fuck with Jamie. I'd take up for him. I'd fight for him. Yeah. It's just funny that like the chemistry in the ring, you would think like, Oh, these guys are best friends. They get along great outside, but they don't. Yeah. Even and to continue kind of what I was saying, look at a lot of uh, rock bands. Look how many great rock bands like Oasis. They, they were brothers and they fought all the time. Think about just how bands don't get along. Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses that are so talented, but hated each other. Kiss, you know, crazy. Yep. It is weird like that. So just kind of going forward a little bit. How did you guys get from USWA to WWF? Is that because of? Jarrett's relationship with Vince, and that's how you guys got in? The first time um, Lawler got us up there where they brought us in, they gave us a win uh, of two enhancement guys, uh, and then brought us back in a two-segment match against the Smoking Guns uh, for the WWE title or WWF titles. Uh, and we were going to stay. This was a – I've told this a, a thousand times. We were ahead of our time, man, because – we get up there, they loved the gimmick. They loved it. They loved our interview, which we had them turn off the teleprompter because they had wrote some shit for us. And we were trying to read it, and we ain't never done that, man. We got to talk like us. And we were just like, can because we we're, we do things in one take almost all the time. And we, we kept fucking it up. And we said, look, here, can, is there any way that you can just turn that off and tell us kind of what you want us to say? And, and they, they told us, and we said, okay, we took a little powwow five minutes come back all right let's go and we flapped out the the ones that you see on those matches um and uh they were like clapping for us and shit it's like man that's just what we're used to doing i'm not you can't write that and me say it you don't know what i would say you know i don't i, I would hate that if i was a wrestler now people writing shit for me i couldn't do it really i don't, I don't think but uh so continuing on um Lawler got us that deal. We, we, um, ahead of our time, I say, because they loved everything. And the only problem was Bruce Pritchard, uh, said that, uh, he thought we were too small. So at that time, if you recall, there was Yokozuna, there was all these huge guys. Uh, the rings were actually reinforced. They were hard as fuck. And, um, so we get, you know, do that run. Don't hear nothing back. Don't hear nothing back. Um, except for Bruce thought you were too little. So, okay, a uh, few years later, I mean, not even a few. I think it was like, let's see, that was 95. So when did the, let's see, the cruiserweights and the uh, the, the luchador invasion was like, what, 96, 97 at, at tops? Yep. So then the size of the wrestler starts going down. And we're over here like, whoa, hold up. <laughs> Don't be too small. And so then we got another little run with WCW and ECW and, you know, not no pushes or anything obviously but you know competitive matches and all most of that stuff man but uh and then the nation thing before that but we really uh, weren't wrestlers per se but we we knew how to get in front of the camera and make our names known see people ask me this this was this is me using the nugget uh does you know hey somebody approached this uh, these little figures that we have uh does vince own y'all's name Nope, because technically in our contract, we technically didn't have names. 
Okay. We were like the two thugs or whatever. That's all we were. The two, the two rappers, the two rapper thugs. But when I wrote the nation of domination rap, if you'll recall, I made sure to put our names in the rap. Who was rapping? Spitting out the rhymes of JC. I said, what we be? So every night, People heard our names. People heard our names, but it was nowhere in contract that he owned the name Wolfie D, nor PG-13, nor JC Ice. So that's how we got to go to every uh, ECW and WCW uh, and to keep those names and keep that gimmick. And not a lot of people can say that. And that is a great theme song. I love that song. Thank you. <laughs> we are the nation live and in color, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I got fucked on that. I, did I, last time I was on, did we talk about that? No. How did you get uh, screwed on it? Uh, so, uh, all right. So I wrote it. They they brought us up, and Jim Johnson, the music guy, he did the beat to it and all that, right? Um. So we go up there, we record it. I, I had written it. They you know told me to do it a few weeks before, or whatever. And so I come up with this thing. I didn't have the we are the nation, the nomination. I just had to start out we are the nation live and in color that was jim doing the we are the nation and that's actually just me and jamie saying that and him doing like a reverb thing where it sounds like a crowd so fun fact um we go up there we, rec we record it he gives us the instrumental we drive around uswa with this in the car doing the dj or run dmc back and forth you know because we know survivor series 96 is when we got to do it live so we're rehearsing this thing all the time all the time we're getting our cadences back and forth uh, I'm, I'm gonna get back into i'm getting kind of off on how they screwed me but let me let me continue um so we do that survivor series we get up there and so vince is uh you know he has to see his new stuff right so obviously before anybody's in the building they hit that music me and jamie at the curtain vince is at the bottom of the ramp and uh we walk through the through the thing and start walking down the ramp start rapping that 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 well all of a sudden it goes we are the nation when it wasn't supposed to right so jim had fucking changed the we are the nation cadence to be sooner he like he we were supposed to get more lyrics out before that first one hit. And I knew which one it was. Well, he fucked that up. So Vince is going, what's going on? What's wrong? What's wrong? I was like, they changed the music. What do you mean? I said, they changed. It's not supposed to say that right there, but just let me listen to it a couple of times. I got it. So basically we sat there and listened to it. And, and honestly, and this ain't a knock on Jamie, man. I just had more rhythm than he did and writing the raps and all that shit. So it was, I, sometimes I would have to pick up like if he'd get off beat and shit, I'd have to pick it up in mine, which made it a little challenging. But anyway, we got through that. So they let us go in 97 after WrestleMania and uh, with a little heat there. And um, so when they came out with the, you know, WWF, the music, those CDs that used to come out, right? Um, the nation song was on there man so was stone colds so it was the undertakers there was a lot of good ones on there so i know those that sold a shit ton um especially with the with stone colds being on there well what they did was they took out our voices all it was was the instrumental and the we are the nation the domination so this is 1997 you don't really have internet yet or 
yeah, internet and the web and all that stuff. So just by chance in 2008, I found out that the actual recorded version that we did that day in Jim Johnson's studio was the track that was put onto the overseas version of WWF, the music volume, whatever the fuck, right? So they probably figured they'll never know. You know what I'm saying? And sold it over there and I never got a dime. And that's why they took our voices out in the US because they didn't want to have to pay us. Wow, damn, look at that. And all he had to do was put Nation of Domination in there and yeah. uh, take take out the rap, which is obviously crucial. That's a great part of the song. Yep. Damn, look at that. How did like the like as you're going along and, and obviously LODs involved and different things, like how did you actually like your, your placement in there? Because sometimes you guys were getting your asses kicked. Oh yeah. I mean, that's what we were there for. We knew it, but we 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 wanted that. Uh, I, I wanted as much in-ring contact. I don't give a shit if I get a move in. Just throw me here, throw me there, because I'll take a better bump than this guy will. You know, because at first there was there was D'Lo and a couple other guys. Then it went down just D'Lo and then me and Jamie. And D'Lo wasn't really, at that point, trying to get any. Like, me and Jamie, we knew, man. We had been old-schooled and Memphis-raised. You know what I'm saying? We knew where the red light was on what camera and which one to go to, you know, if you'll notice, you'll see as anytime a camera comes on us, we know it and we're there mouthing or doing or, or running around the ring where you can see us or something to stay on camera. And for instance, um, I, I loved doing that uh, at WrestleMania when they did the double doomsday on us. I mean, heck yeah, man, that was awesome, man. <laughs> you know, I think, I don't know if that's the only time they ever did that, but I love the road warriors anyway, but uh so, for instance, there was one where um, we were doing a, a pre-tape where Ahmed chases us all and to a limousine. And I think a couple of the nation was already in there and Farouk just had to jump in. And then me and Jamie got caught behind. Ahmed grabs Jamie, throws him in the trunk, slams the hood. And then I was supposed to, like, just get in and be the get away from Ahmed and just get in. And I said, hey, and this is this is to Vince. I said, can I do something a little more dramatic? I said, can I let them take off with the window down? I said, let them get going and I'll run away from Ahmed and I will dive through that window with my feet hanging out. I said, so as we're driving off, I'll be kicking my feet and dangling them out the window. Can you do that? I'm like, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> like, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> Without getting hurt. I said, yes. Just just watch, you know. And and that we did it, man. And it, I forget what that was, but I don't it, it's out there somewhere or whatever. It was a raw or a pay-per-view. I don't remember what, but probably a raw. But yeah, they took off and here I come. Dove right in there. I forget. I think Ron was sitting right there and he just hooked me so that I wouldn't fall out. And I sat there and kicked my feet. They drove off. Pretty cool. <laughs> Do you remember a one specific doomsday device where they literally like decapitate you and you flip over a few times? I, I mean, it was awesome. I took it. I took it as slash. Uh, I took it a few times in the nation, and then I took it. Um, I guess that yeah, 
when we worked them that one time where they just squashed us or whatever. I've taken it a bunch, man. It really didn't bother me. The only time that sucked was was the WrestleMania one because I was on Ahmed's shoulders. Jamie got the luck of being on Animal's shoulders. Animal knows to push you. Ahmed just <laughs> let me go, man. He didn't push or nothing. So if, if you watch that, I'm literally trying to get myself over and I kind of land on my head and shoulder or something like that. I mean, it didn't hurt me really bad or anything, but it looks rough. Ahmed was like, you say, did we like taking different things? It just depends on who it was from too. Cause, uh, and, and this is another instance of me wanting to do more uh, at the end of uh, let's see, Royal Rumble of 97 and, and Ron's match. Um, we feed in, I think it was Ron's match or could have been, I don't remember. I just know Ahmed was in the ring, the only one. And I think he bumped Jamie. And then I feed in and I'm supposed to run. He's supposed to close. I'm supposed to duck his clothesline. And then he picks me up over his head, over the top rope, onto the rest of the nation. Well, Ahmed would get blowed up, man, quick. And not knocking the, he, he was cool, man. But I'm just saying, he would get blowed up. And you think his big giant ass could pick me up, even tired. Well, first of all, I run in, I'm ducking. He forgets to throw the fucking clothes on. I said, that kind of awkward. But anyway, came back to him and I'm helping him. I'm going to help him out. But fuck, I shouldn't at that point. I wasn't probably 220. <laughs> and, uh, he goes to pick me up. Well, the side that I'm pushing on, obviously, that's the easy side. When you're pressing somebody, the hard side is the ass side. Or that's where all the weight is. So he goes, he, he can't get this arm extended to get me high enough. So when he throws me, my feet clip the top rope. My head goes over, but my feet clip the top rope. So therefore, I just tumble real quick. And thank God they were close enough to the ring where they, they were able to catch me. I mean, I don't know that it would kill me, but it, it wasn't a fun tumble. And I'm glad they were there to brace my fall. How was Ahmed, though, to work with? I know you're saying there's a couple things, but how was he? Um, like I said, I didn't actually work with him, but I know there was a lot of issues, man, with that. With uh, I know him and Ron didn't like each other, um, so there was issues there. And I remember, you know, I tried to stay out of that because that wasn't – I'm going to do whatever Ron's doing, and I'm going to back whatever Ron says. I'm going to go with whatever Ron says. You know what I mean? Um, so when there was drama – you know, Ahmed didn't want to do it. Most of the nation, Savio and them, none of, none of them really cared for him that much. Um, he was he was hard to work with because, like, he was like the diva sort of deal where he hadn't really paid any dues, you know. And uh, he was he walked around like he's a big superstar. And granted, he was over, but he was he was not a really good worker, and obviously couldn't talk. So <laughs> there was there was some issues there. He wanted to be in the nation i know at one point and they didn't want to do that and, uh... it's funny it's like okay pg-13 you guys are not really small especially compared to today's wrestlers forget about it you'd be yeah. you know obviously not small at all but compared to like ron simmons and ahmed and yoko and undertaker you guys seem small but it's funny when you show up in tna when, when you're you know doing the new church thing when you're slash it's like that can't be the same guy he's so much bigger you know what i mean i know obviously you did gain some weight and you got a lot yeah. of muscle but it's funny it's like you're not like enormously bigger you know it's it was so weird so different seeing you but it's almost like that can't be wolfie is it 
Yeah, man, you wouldn't believe to this day, man, I still have people at the convention in Indianapolis, Squared Circle Expo the other week. Somebody said that to me. They go, man, I didn't realize until a couple weeks ago that Slash was the same person as Wolfie D. I was like, I get that a lot. I get that a lot. And in a way, it's good. But in a way, it's like, I feel like some people may discredit Slash, but would credit Slash if they knew it was Wolfie D. You see what I'm saying? Yep. But, uh, I get, I went up to Bubba Ray when I first, and, and it was also because I completely shaved my head. I got bigger. I added some tattoos, uh, uh, grew out. I had a Fu Manchu at one point, long black Fu Manchu. Um, and, and I was in gimmick and everything. And I walked up to Bubba and I hadn't seen him. So this was, this is probably like 1999, 2000, 2000. This was the year 2000. And I hadn't seen him since probably 97. So it'd be like, three excuse me three years and uh we're in wwe and i was getting some dark matches and stuff and uh i walked up to him and <laughs> smacked him on the stomach right this is before he lost all his weight too. <laughs> i smacked him on the stomach and i just looked at him i said what's up fucker <laughs> he looked at me he went Wolfie, <laughs> first this motherfucker's about to punch me right in the nose. <laughs> but then, but then he uh, he hugged me. He said, "Oh my God, this is the greatest transformation since Scott Hall to Razor Ramon." <laughs> so that was funny. And then we, I seen him again. And this is probably that was the last time I saw him since I saw him this last time in November. Many many years, obviously, or I might have seen him at TNA a few times, but. Uh, just in my normal attire, I walked up and shook his hand. I go, what's going on, brother? And I could tell he just kind of haymanned me. <laughs> so I walked away, and then I turned back around. I said, you motherfucker. I said, this is the second time. He goes, I have done this before, Wolfie. I'm so sorry. He goes, I just can't get Wolfie D out of my head. <laughs> it does, like, surprise you. Like, that can't be. You know what I mean? It, it yeah. definitely is. What's the weight difference between Wolfie D when, and then when you were Slash? Uh, I think at my heaviest was Slash. I was like 250. That's about what I am right now, but Slash didn't have as much of this. But um, And then Wolfie D's, I probably 220, maybe 225 at the most. Because yeah, it just seemed like a whole different person. Yeah. But, I mean, I love Disciples of the New Church. It was so different. It was so cool. It was dark. But then uh, you and Brian Lee could work. I mean, it was really cool. Yeah, I love that run, man, with, with Brian. And that, not to knock anybody else, but it's back to that thing. Like I had, hell, I, I was the, uh, Jim Mitchell will say it, I, I was the new church because it was me. And first it was me and Crowbar. Then it was me and uh, Sin. Then it was me and Brian Lee. And then it was me and Flash Flanagan. And I feel like there might have been somebody else there. Malice was in it, but he wasn't really my partner. But I was always in the mix there as the new church's tag team, you know, uh, but I enjoyed that run. I, I love Jim Mitchell to death. I really loved it with the, with the me, Brian, James. And when we had that girl, Belladonna with us, uh, rest in peace. Uh, I just thought she fit so well with that group. She would take bumps. Um, and man, I hated it really. I, I thought they screwed up by letting her go. I kind of understand why they did it. 
back back behind the scenes stuff but uh man she just fit the it, it, we were such a cool little group man i really dug that and she was there's one part where uh we had just won the tag team titles and the I'm I'm sitting in the middle of the ring. I I've got heavy juice from the match and uh, the lights. They they used to do the red light on us, you know. And uh, I'm like I said, I'm sitting on my butt, kind of selling, holding the belt and selling. And and she comes over and she wipes all the gets all a bunch of blood off my face and starts wiping it on her tits and just little stuff like that that just made it like, man, these these dudes are crazy. This is evil. Did you wish you kind of stayed there longer? Because it did seem like, okay, you're a part of, of the new church. You're, you're embedded into TNA. Did you think like like you wish you had, would have had a longer run, like just as far as longevity? Of course I do. Of course I do. But that was a deal, man, where there was, there was some clicks, man. Right there at the end before they went to Orlando, there was some clicks, man. And I was not in that click, man. Or, you know, Jeff and Jerry Jarrett got me on there, you know, when it first started, obviously, why well, know him and known him for years, and uh, well, there was never a really an intention to put the tag team titles on us. It was supposed to be like a one week thing, and then America's Most Wanted takes them right back. But I think we worked ourselves into a run. Um, we exceeded expectations and um, had some really good matches, but. <sighs> They kept doing like, okay, so then Jeff was gone. We we did the run with AMW. Then we did the run with the ECW guys. Um, and then just kind of generic matches here and there. It's like they couldn't figure out what to do. And that's when Vince Russo came in. And that was another thing. Like the, We're going out there. It's like we was talking earlier about the people liking the bad guys. The people with, we're, we're heels and they start chanting evil, evil evil well then they try to switch us baby face but they don't really know how to do that or put us against anybody uh, that you know the, it was the ecw guys but they just didn't have a it's like they were just throwing us out there there was no real okay this is what we're doing with the new church because they're getting over Nah. so then they could just quit booking us it was like what the fuck and um then my contract was a uh, like not a nightly deal, but I was guaranteed so much a night for so many dates. They had to honor so many dates in that year. Well, when they stopped booking me, that year expired and they hadn't honored all the the number of dates. So I'm like, hey, they owed me, you know, a few thousand dollars. And I mean, to me, a few thousand dollars is not something I'm going to go, oh, no, it's okay, guys. Uh, I know they wouldn't do that to me. So I kind of got shitty, you know, hey, man either book me or fucking pay me man and um they wasn't booking me and then they were not trying to pay me um and so i kind of had sent a few messages to certain people and hey if y'all ain't gonna do this i guess i'm gonna have to get an attorney or something you know because i want my money so then they finally paid me but so it was kind of a and then they went to orlando and at that point in time i had gotten a, a job in nashville uh on government city paycheck, man. And I, I was educated enough with the business that I knew not to put all my eggs in the TNA basket and move to Florida, you know, because they wouldn't, they, if I would have said, Hey, 
I don't give a shit. I want to go with you guys. I'll, I'll move because they wouldn't have wanted to fly me in every week. You know what I'm saying? From Nashville, that would have been extra expenses for them. But if I had been a better, if in their eyes, I had been a better commodity, maybe, but uh, that would have been me begging to go. And I wasn't about to do that. So as we hit the wind down here, we head towards the finish. I'm just curious, like health wise, how, how are you doing? I know you had some health scares, uh, not so, uh, recently or ve- actually very recently, but what's, what's the latest on the health? Well, um, so I've got, I've got two stents in my heart. I had a heart attack. Um, uh, well, even before that, the year before that, when I tore my, I tore my, uh, quad off my kneecap, had to have surgery, of course, um, got a blood clot, went to my lung, massive pulmonary embolism. Rushed me to the hospital, stayed there a few days. It was in my lung, pulmonary. Um, did that. Um, I got some back issues, but the bigger one was the heart attack. Um, I just, I had no idea, man, that I had any blockage. You know, I go to the gym all the time. And, you know, I, sometimes I don't treat myself as good as I should. Uh, but nothing like the days. I don't use drugs or anything like that. Uh but I fell out in the parking lot, man, of a gas station, busted my head open. No, I didn't have to be resuscitated, but uh, got rushed to the hospital and uh, spent a few days there, put two stints in, and I'm on all kinds of, you know, heart medicine and stuff. So that's a deal. I kind of have to watch a little better what I eat, you know, because uh, I had what they call the Widowmaker. It was 100% blockage. In some kind of way, I survived it. Um, I, I need hip surgery. I've got a tear in the labrum of my hip and I'm getting injections in my lower back uh, because my L5 S1 are all messed up. I got a lot of arthritis uh, in the back SI joint hip. So, (laughs) but like I say, I go to the gym all the time. I know how to work around what hurts that day. Um, The heart, they told me I'm fine. You know, as soon as I got out of the hospital, they were like, okay, you're fine now. You could, I said like, can I go work out? Uh, oh yeah, do what you, you're fine. <laughs> okay. So that should be all good as long as I don't do anything to screw it up. <laughs> Just start eating a bunch of pig lard or something. <laughs> but you could wrestle though. No problem, huh? Well, I don't want to say no problem. I wrestled, uh, me and Jerry Lawler wrestled Doug Gilbert and, and the Moondog a couple months ago. That was the first match I had had since 2016, April 2016. And, I mean, I I did all right. I did, I can cover up. I can't, I can't really take bumps, per se, uh, depending on what it is, maybe. But I can't risk my, my back's in too bad a shape to be slammed on it or anything like that. But I, I do what I can, and... I do the PG-13 gimmick, you know, back to that. I couldn't be Slash right now, you know. We had PG-13 and, you know, do that shit, you know. Uh, so I just kind of try to ride off the name value. But we're working again, like I said, coming up. Give us one last big pitch for the podcast. Yeah, man. Uh, live and in color with Wolfie D uh, on any place that you listen to podcasts. Uh, it's at live wolfie d on twitter instagram and facebook uh also i have a store on pro wrestling tees you can get this t-shirt on there i'll also have some of these at the show saturday um 
uh, Pro Wrestling Tees, and then go to the podcast stores, and in, it's in the podcast stores under, obviously, Live and Color with Wolfie D. A new episode drops every Monday at noon, but you are able to go back and listen to episodes one through, I like, think we're at 56, 7, 8, I don't know, something like that. I've lost count. Can't remember everybody I've had on there, but I've had some superb guests, superb conversations, uh, and then other stuff where we watch matches and uh, watch alongs where you watch along with us at home, and you can actually send matches in to me. Um, I think I said all that earlier, but yeah, on Facebook, it is Warren Wolf, or just go to Wolfie D because my Facebook personal page is getting pretty loaded and it's hard to accept people, so don't take that as a uh middle finger from me please folks are you still drawing you're still doing artwork haven't done a lot of it lately man um no i just haven't been like i said for me a good day uh, lately uh i I haven't even been in the car business lately i've gotten out of that because standing around for 10 hours my leg goes numb all kinds of shit uh a few other personal factors that i just need to I need a break, man, and get my get my health good and everything. So, all right, awesome stuff. I implore everybody, of course, check out the uh, the podcast. Great stuff going on there, Wolfie. Thank you so much for all the time. Thank you for having me. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash tmptempire to become a patron and also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two-man power trip where the power lies, brother.